Monte Vista, episode 120. I'm Andrew, and uh, it's time to start the podcast as we do every single week. So if you're a new listener, this is just to help familiarize you. As we start the podcast every single week uh, with a rousing round of... What's up? <laughs> I'm not doing this. Thank you, Lucy. Ben? Uh, ben? You're, no, I'm, I'm not. Uh, you remember the commercial? The... I, did, I didn't agree to this. It we went like, this what's up? What's, what's up? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm familiar and that's not my issue. Um, okay. Do you not know how to do it? We no, could... I, it's not like a technical impediment. Uh, it's kind of a moral one. Oh, I see. I'm sort of. I like to think of myself as a conscientious objector. I, I just don't want to be a part of this, and I hope you respect that. He will go to prison for his beliefs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as long as it's one of the uh, the uh, ones where you get TV. Yeah. No, that's that's pretty good. And from what I see in the Australian media, they all get TV they and Xboxes. Screens. They get Xboxes and Playstations. I hear they get uh, the exclusives on both platforms. Every night they're having that sort of um, the weird like hyper the, the molecular gastronomy stuff uh that's mm-hmm. what they get in the prisons it's like foams made from gold leaf mm. and rare fruits are uh, they at home better than most beans. people yeah yep Nothing i can't wrong believe with a tin of beans no that's true love a tin of beans my kids love a tin of beans love beans <laughs> big big bean centric family bean over there <laughs> <laughs> hey look it's a high it's a high protein breakfast uh-huh uh long lasting energy you know, my kids will happily sit and eat like a little, a little ramekin of beans <laughs> and, and some pieces of toast. And I'm like, you know what, guys, get in there, go to town. Your bean children. Hey, let yep. me know if you want more beans. Let me know if you finish that ramekin. I'll top it up. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a waiter with a jug of beans just <laughs> waiting by the table. Fresh in your beans. <laughs> <laughs> New beans, Governor. I would love that. Oh, yeah, just top me off. Top me off. Just, top just me off, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> and when? Just a nightcap. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't, but oh, go on. <laughs> I do have to drive. I have to drive later. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a great restaurant that would be. Just waiters walking around with their steaming jugs of beans. What would you call it? Ooh, uh, oh, it's got to be uh, Hill of Beans, right? Hill of Beans, yeah, that's it's up there, I guess. And it's also Casablanca themed. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like someone watched Casablanca, took the only thing they took away from it was his one use of a very weird metaphor and then themed a restaurant around it. Yeah. It's it, a, it beans, got it. The most valuable <laughs> thing I can think of is a hill of beans. So it's sort of a bottomless <laughs> beanstaurant. Beautiful. So... What do we uh, what do we got here, guys? We're gonna we're gonna dip in the old news. You guys ever seen this news stuff? I've heard of it. Oh, heard of it from time to time. I've seen I've seen it like you know in passing in the streets. I turn seen my eyes it in away. Passing. Don't like yeah. it. Don't care for it much. Yuck! I say. Disgusting. What Gross. do we got? Hey, everyone's uh, always talking about uh, this news. Mm-hmm. And what about olds? So from the Guardian. <laughs> Guardian, we have a little report here about the Australian Christian lobby um, backing the sacking of employees. That's the f- the firing of people for Americans. Oh, yeah, they don't say not. sacking, right? That's a football thing. It's a football. Is it? Yeah, yes. sack the quarterback, man. It means kind of the same thing, really. It just, it just means tackle. Oh, that's it weird. Tackle. Does it, does it specifically mean tackle or is it like specific to 
uh, tackling a quarterback before he can get a pass off. Is that what sacking a quarterback maybe, is? Maybe, maybe. You should know. You I, fucking I don't want to say the wrong thing and then everyone's like, you don't know every single rule of the football. No, they're going to listen back to this podcast, hear that you got that wrong and then deny you a green card. God damn. Oh, damn. I was right. In American football and Canadian football, a sack occurs when the quarterback or another offensive player acting as a passer is tackled behind the line of scrimmage before he can throw a forward pass. Scrimmage is perhaps the funniest word in the world. It's very funny. Scrimmage. The line of scrimmage. The line of scrimmage. That's a fucking Lord of the Rings shit. I draw my line of scrimmage. The line of scrimmage. (laughs) uh, It is both a very pirate sounding word and sounds a bit like something you would eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like scrimmage is like one of those bad old-timey breakfasts that only mm. people that are like 80 plus eat. I feel like yeah. they'd make fun of me here for that, like for saying porridge, which apparently is a very funny way to say oats or oatmeal. I feel like porridge well, is oatmeal isn't funny at all. bullied. <laughs> <laughs> it's called porridge. Porridge. Fresh in your porridge. Fresh in your porridge, sir. (laughs) More beans for your porridge. More beans in your porridge. (laughs) Oh, no. I topped up up his porridge with me beans jug. Oh, no. Every meal you should have two ramekins in front of you. One ramekin of beans, one ramekin of porridge, and never the twain shall meet. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So the Australian Christian lobby uh, sacking the quarterbacks of the workplace uh, who do not have the appropriate... Christian sexual ethic. Employees. The quarterback of the workplace. (laughs) Yes. Known as the worker. Uh, The Australian Christian lobby has backed calls for religious businesses such as aged care providers to gain more powers of hiring and firing employees who do not conform to religious teachings. I'm pretty sure they already have the ones where they can say, oh, you're you're not Christian? Get the fuck out of here. So, I don't know what what like additional ones they need uh in a debate at the national press club on wednesday the acl director martin isles uh, backed calls from the australian catholic bishops conference for greater powers to fire employees who don't conform to a quote christian sexual ethic but claimed that christians don't have a special vendetta against the lgbt community hey come on why would you think that why would you say that what is a christian sexual ethic then Simply because we are absolutely obsessed uh, with queer people um, and their sexuality and we'll never stop talking about it. You think we've got some kind of weird thing against them and and their sexual ethics? Uh, There is a picture of Martin Niles in here. Lucy, would you like to describe him to the people listening at home? How can I describe this man? He looks like an American fraternity brother named Chet or Rhett. Mm. His face is also quite red. He's very pale. Got little beady eyes. It's got a bit of a uh, Bondi Patrick Bateman thing going mm. on to me. Mm-hmm. Definitely you know? looks like a psychopath. <laughs> uh, so this intervention comes as the Attorney General Christian Porter, uh, Christian Porter, very interesting, considers mm. uh, <laughs> <to this> possible <laughs> amendments to the controversial Religious Discrimination Bill exposure draft before Parliament returns next week. At the debate, Ambassador of the National Secular Lobby, Fiona Patton, warned the ACL and Catholic Church want to, quote, extend the ability to hire and fire to their commercial businesses, which would be very dangerous and extremely exclusive to staff and patients of aged care. Uh, Isles defended the prospect of hiring and firing based on the, quote, Christian sexual ethic, that sexual relations are for one man and one woman to the exclusion of others. 
Yeah, that's all it is. It's definitely okay. still not still not about gay people. Isles rejected the view that, quote, Christians have this special vendetta where it's the LGBTI community that's always going to be excluded. Nothing could be further from the truth, he said, throwing up his hands, shrugging <laughs> his shoulders. Hey. <laughs> hey, guy. Come on. Uh, he said, noting that Christianity teaches that every single one of us is a sinner and that even he himself could be sacked for an act of infidelity. Because he is currently cheating on his wife. Yes. That's, I, I, trust me, buddy. I could definitely get sacked. <laughs> the argument could easily be mounted. That I deserve to be fired. Um, yeah, I'm not really, not really buying this one myself. Um, I, I appreciate the efforts to try and make out like it has nothing to do with uh, gay people. But, I don't know, the idea that like... Um, well, number one, I don't even know how a workplace is going to find out that that somebody like cheated on their wife or whatever. Maybe you get divorced and at some point you're like, ah, uh, yeah, I, I had an affair and uh, my wife divorced me. Do you think that one of these places is going to go, ooh, uh, un, unsound Christian sexual ethic there, buddy. You're out of here. Or... Are they are they just just gonna fire gay people still? I think what they do is uh, every morning when you come into work, there's someone there with a little clipboard, and they say, "Who'd you fuck last night?" Mm-hmm. Uh, please be truthful. Uh, and then man, they, woman, other is is this your wife? Husband not or wife. wife? Uh, and so, if we tick the wrong box, you are out of here. So that's why you shouldn't lie because you will be getting fired. <laughs> They've got a little chart they consult down the left-hand side. They're going, married mm-hmm. man, slept with unmarried man. Oh, no, that's that's Ooh. two bads. I'm uh, so yeah, sorry, you're going to get double fired. The finger goes across the top row and then stops at the right place and down, down, down. And then you hit the big X. Oh, yikes. Yikes. Sorry, buddy. Uh, you're not making it through uh, armed guards at the door now. <laughs> He says, there should be no surprises. If somebody gets a job, it should be clear what the beliefs of the organization are, and it shouldn't be a shock. Oh, come on. So, again, I just, none of this makes any sense to me, because these are 1,000% the same people who think that Israel Folau shouldn't have got sacked from his, like, ambassador role in the rugby union, um, because that's his personal belief. And he has the freedom, he has the religious freedom to hold that belief and to make statements about it. And that by firing him for that, we are impinging on that. And how can a corporation even have beliefs, you know? How can they have a a mission statement that says, we don't want to exclude uh, gay people. So if you make rampantly homophobic statements, uh, we will politely ask you to not work here anymore. But at the same time, they think that it should be very clear what the beliefs of their organizations are and that if you contravene those in any way, that it should be 100% uh, you know, legally protected to fire you. So it's just another time where I don't really get how these things gel together. It's almost like they just think that their beliefs are the important ones and it has nothing to do with freedom of speech. Oh, come on. Mm. Be a that, little more charitable. Just that's that. a theory. It's a very foolish uh, belief, obviously, because my beliefs are the important ones, as we all know. Mm. Mm, I agree. Thank you. 
Well, it's funny because I have my own beliefs and they seem quite important to me when I'm having them. They could be the second most important, maybe. I'd concede that, but it's definitely mine at the top and we should all be conforming to them. Hmm. Well, the good news is, it says that um, after defending the wholesale expansion of existing powers for several minutes, Isles then noted that Section 41 of the bill only exempts religious speech from anti-discrimination laws, suggesting that this meant the ability to hire and fire on religious beliefs, quote, really has nothing to do with the bill. So, um, good job to him for sure. talking about it for a, a, quite a while, the public debate, and demanding those rights, and then being like, actually, uh, you know, this bill that they're putting in really has nothing to do with the thing I'm talking about. Uh, so cool good stuff. on, good on that guy. Good I guess. For that guy. Mm. Hey, speaking of fucking the wrong way. Oh no. Mm. Uh, Lucy, you've you've got a little story for us here. Didn't like that segue <laughs> at all. <laughs> but there is another Jeffrey Epstein story. Epstein. Oh. Epstein. Epstizzle. Favorite nope. sex offender, <laughs> rich man. Uh, and there are R- so many R- to R- choose R- from. Because it's all of them. Mm. So, yeah, so hard to choose, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, speaking of rich guys, this was posted on the New York Times Twitter account today. Uh, they said, Bill Gates has minima- minimized his ties to Jeffrey Epstein, but a New York Times investigation shows that Gates and Epstein repeatedly spent time together after Epstein was a convicted sex offender. Yeah. Shocked. That billionaires could be bad people. Um, mm, but he's got a foundation. He's got a foundation. He gives all this money to charity, which is definitely not something that terrible people do to ease their guilt in any way. Nope. Or as a gigantic tax write-off. Exactly. Uh, Mr. Gates, the Microsoft co-founder, whose 100 billion plus fortune has endowed the world's largest charitable organization, has done his best to minimize his connections to Mr. Epstein. I didn't have any business relationship or friendship with him, he told the Wall Street Journal last month. Barely ever held hands. Didn't know him. Didn't know him that well. Just met the guy a few times. Took a few plane rides with him. Visited (laughs) an island or two. Nothing weird. In fact, beginning in 2011, Mr. Gates met with Mr. Epstein on numerous occasions, including at least three times at Mr. Epstein's palatial Manhattan townhouse and at least once staying late into the night, according to interviews with more than a dozen people familiar with the relationship. As well as documents reviewed by the New York Times. I, th- this is the thing I don't get with this stuff is like, if you had spent, you know, a time hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein, right? Um, and someone from the media came to you and said, hey, uh, you used to hang out with this Epstein guy, right? Mm. I don't understand how, how so many of these people have the first impulse, which is to say, nope, nope. Uh, but like one, one time we were both at the same charity gala uh, we were 20 meters away from each other he sort of tried to nod at me and I immediately turned my head away turned my head away wasn't that's interested. how little that's how I didn't even recognize him didn't even know who he was until someone showed me a mugshot uh, many mm-hmm. years later when it's so clear from like this has been happening over and over again where people get asked like what was your relationship with this guy did you spend time together and they'll go nope and they say, cool, here's, here's the flight logs. Lying. Here's the flight logs yeah. of you taking like, you know, half a dozen flights on his private jet with him. Mm. Uh, what's up with that? And they go. Lying Bleh. is famously not incriminating. Well, especially like, yeah, I guess just uh, there's been so many examples already of people being shown 
through a bunch of evidence like this to have spent a bunch of time with them in the past. I, I don't know why, like... Like, Prince Andrew had that sa- whole same thing, didn't he? Where he was just like, oh, <laughs> I... I was going around there to cut ties with him. <laughs> yeah, go, I was I was on my way there to break up with him. This, break up with him. I went over there to complain about the rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so I don't understand why people... I mean, well, maybe I do understand in the sense that if you had been hanging out with someone who was a notorious um, convicted... Child sex offender. Yeah, I'd probably Neg- be like, me- yeah, I didn't know he was a sex offender, though. I wouldn't be like, no, nah, don't know. Never met Neg- the guy. Mega pedo. Um, although, you know, as someone I was talking to recently said, uh, you know, I was talking to them about... This is my parents. I was talking to my parents recently <laughs> about Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> and I said, well, the thing with all this stuff is, like, it's fucking insane because it's it's not, like, wild conspiracy shit. It's all in the public record it's all the stuff that happened in his court case it's all like right there out in the open um and i was talking about how the um andrew barr who is now trump's attorney general was the one who was overseeing uh, jeffrey epstein's case and allowed him to like you know be charged for the like a single one of the lightest offenses and they only took um testimony from like one of his oldest victims so that he wouldn't get the mm. harshest penalties mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and my mom said, yeah, well, if, if you're a rich person who has continued to hang out with him after that point, from your point of view, you can say, oh, well, his conviction was for this very, very light, very, very small thing for someone who was over 18 or, you know, it was for like soliciting, soliciting a sexual service from like a 19 year old. Um, so, so, you know, maybe it's something where in the minds of some of these rich people, they could say, well, I have this kind of plausible deniability of the only thing he was ever found guilty of was like the absolute most minimized version of his many, 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 many crimes. Um, but it's still a pretty bad look. It's not uh, a good look. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why people don't just go, hey, look, man, we, we hung out half a dozen times. You know, he's an influential figure. We talked about maturity and stuff. We had dinner, you know, a handful of times. That's it. Obviously, I found out about this stuff way too late. Bad look or whatever. It just it, it feels to me like that would just be a better way of handling it than going, hey, I have never had any business relationship or friendship with Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, and then immediately having the newspaper go, what about all of these things? Mm-hmm. Well, immediately having to be like, oh, Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, I saw you Jeff. said, uh, Bleffrey. You no, mean yeah. Jeff. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Hung out with him a bunch. Um, oh, I called him friend. Jay. I called Bloody. him Jay because we were so, <laughs> we were so close. <laughs> So, uh, employees of Mr. Gates Foundation also paid multiple visits to Mr. Epstein's mansion. Mr. Epstein Epstein spoke with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and J.P. Morgan Chase about a proposed multi-billion dollar charitable fund, an arrangement that had the potential to generate enormous fees for Mr. Epstein. Oh, that's that's nice. Just in this article, they met up several times, including after these allegations and stuff had uh, come out. This is my favorite part. His lifestyle is very different and kind of intriguing, although it would not work for me. Mr. Gates emailed colleagues in 2011 after his first get-together with Mr. Epstein. (laughs) It is indeed an intriguing lifestyle. I wonder if it wouldn't work for him for, like, ethical reasons or just, like, logistically. Like, he just doesn't have time. 
Well, his spokeswoman apparently said he was referring only to the unique decor of the Epstein residence and Epstein's habit of spontaneously bringing acquaintances in to meet Mr. Gates. Oh, my goodness. How old uh, were these acquaintances? That's a, that's a strange <laughs> phrase. Oh, he was merely referring to the giant shrine to Malak mm-hmm. um, in, in the grand hall of Mr. Epstein's residence. Unique uh, decor. Very unique decor. Billionaires got to stick together, you know? That's, that's true. It's a big theme this week. That's true, yeah, with all of uh, Ellen. Ellen hanging out with George W. Bush and then coming coming out afterwards to say... Uh, hey, we should all just be nice to each other, you know? That was my favourite thing about this was people doing the contrarian take of being like, oh, oh, you can't even sit near anyone without being cancelled these days. Then she releases a video of being like, uh, we're friends, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're pals. We, oh, well, like, I, I watched a bit of the video in which she, like, ex- explained how this wound up happening as though it was some wild coincidence, you know? Um... And she she starts off by saying that it's like um, what's the what's the guy's name Jerry, the the owner of the Cowboys. I do um, not know that. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, Lucy. You're, Jerry you're, Seinfeld. I don't follow Jerry the Jones. Cowboys. Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. Okie dokie. Jerry Jones, uh, another billionaire, shockingly, um, who owns the Dallas Cowboys. She was like, yeah. Um, Jerry Jerry Jones and his wife like contacted me and Porsche and said, "Hey, we'd love you to come to the game, so we'll give you tickets to the owners' box and everything." And um, so you know, we just went along and just happened to get seated next to George W. Bush. <laughs> like, what a little situation this man has crafted! I like it. Agent well, of I, chaos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that the um, but yeah, the the explanation that's meant to make it sound like she's you know she's not just palling around with these people is. Oh, this billionaire NFL team owner personally contacted me and my wife to give us free tickets to this thing. It's like cool, cool. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so uh, that that engendered a lot of discourse this week around, um, you know, hey, when when somebody invites you to hang out with a war criminal, should you just be like, cool, uh, dap me up, dap me up, GWB, or should you be like? Nice war crimes, dickhead. It's just all about kindness. You know, if we were all just more kind to each other, everything would be perfect and we could just ask them not to do their war crimes anymore. Yep. And so, um, uh, Jamila Jamil, who is from uh, The Good Place. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely she's in, right. She's doing yep. her best. God bless her. Doing her best. God bless her. Um, she's, she's like a big time like body positivity Mm-hmm. Uh, p- role She's model doing these a lot days, of speaking out about feminism body positivity things like that a lot of, a lot of that kind of thing um, I now nobody cancel me oh, no. do not turn the cancellation ray upon me <laughs> oh, I'm boy. ready I'm but, turning um, it very slowly but I think <laughs> you're turning the big crank <laughs> turning the big crank on the cancellation ray uh, um, I, I was just going to say that like a, a lot of the stuff that she says um to me kind of has has that uh has the like enthusiasm of the recent convert oh a hundred percent kind of vibe yeah which which is to say like you know like um, you know never gonna rag on anybody for trying to learn things and be better and can consider things more carefully and all that sort of stuff um but yeah there is there is a very certain tone to like 
uh, there's a very certain tone to like liberals and leftists who have just sort of like got into social justice and stuff Mm, pretty recently. They're very excited about it. They're very excited about it and they also assume that everybody else um, doesn't know any of this stuff and it can it can take on quite a kind of lecturing tone Mm. i think Mm. sometimes which you can understand why a lot of people are really into it um so you know in in the midst of all of this people saying hey george w bush remember that time that he uh very very directly triggered the actions that killed like up to a million iraqi civilians mark Um, ruffalo said that he's he's the good tweet of the week yeah. yeah, well done. Uh, the one good celeb, Mark Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who uh, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of, yeah, everybody's talking about, hey, we've all got to be kindness to each other, but it's very hard to be kind to someone when they've never faced any form of justice for their, for their very, war very crimes. direct involvement in war crimes and killing hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, how about we do some of that first and then we can be nice to them afterwards? Um, so, in the midst of all of this, Jamila Jamil tweeted, Oof. <laughs> there's, f- there's five That's O's on That's what does the- it for me on this. It really uh, drives ooh. it home. I genuinely think that no one would have said anything about this tweet if she had not said the oof at the start. Yeah, That's definitely what it is. Can I, can I just petition both of you here to, to kind of figure out? So, we got five O's on this oof. Uh, one F. Capital O at the start. How long do we think that should go if you're reading it out? Um, okay. If you do a normal oof. one with two O's, all right. Yeah. Oof. That oof. took you... That's a two O oof to me. It's kind all of right. a double well, one of those, you know. Just do... How many O's did you say? There's five O's in it, so, so two and two a half. Two and a half of, of those, oh, yeah. Sorry, there's five. So, let me try this. Uh, oof. Too long. Oh, too long? That was about oof. four or five of them. Yeah, that Yeah, okay. that last one's good. Okay. Mm. Uh, Jamil Jamil tweets... Oof! <laughs> Learning today about the full extent of Bush's heinous presidency. We weren't taught much about him at school. We just heard he was stupid. Uh, as, an, as an aside, we were dealing with our own epic nightmare of a prime minister back then. What a monstrous leader. I now understand the rage. For uh, me, to, the, the uh, kicker is we were dealing with our own epic nightmare of a prime minister back then. I mean, Tony Blair was quite, as far as I remember, significantly involved in this stuff. Well, it, it'd be like you, you, could, you could perfectly transpose this onto Australian politics and say, oh, I never knew anything about, um, I never knew anything about George W. Bush because we were all too busy being angry at John Howard for some kind of, uh, for, va- <laughs> for some sort of event in 2003. That we were all uh, really mad at him for. Can't remember what it is. It was something that something that uh, engendered the largest protests in Australian history. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of people out in the streets of every capital city in the country. Not ringing a bell. What the actual <laughs> problem was? It was just something mm. about John Howard, real dickhead, um, an epic nightmare. That guy. What What gets me here is the uh, didn't learn much about him in school. Uh, as many as, people, as though that is the only way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but as many people have pointed out, she is thirty-three years old. In two thousand and three, she was seventeen. Yep. So it just feels like there were a couple of years after that, outside of school, uh, that might have been the primo time to have heard about these things. Well, um, it's just as- a bad tweet. <laughs> it it's is not good. It is. And- I do agree with her. 
saying afterwards that we should support people growing and learning. I obviously very much agree with that as a concept. I wow. mostly just can't believe very that you could have so many followers and not think just for a second before tweeting this and think, you know what? I'm going to get dunked on. <laughs> <laughs> people are going to think I am a bit silly mm. on the back of this one. Oh, my goodness. Uh, hey. Hey, should we take a question from the mailbag? Mm. Yeah, maybe we should have a mailbag theme one of these days. We'll just, just steal uh, the Blue's Clues one. We'll get Steve <laughs> from Blue's Clues on here to sing it. Maybe we can get him on Fiverr to, yeah. to do something. Oh no, God, he's great. he's doing stuff for the new Blue's Clues. He so is, he's, with he's, new Blue's Clues host Josh, who is a snack. Yeah, well, I guess he's kind of, he's taken, um, <laughs> he's taken Steve's snack crown now that Steve doesn't have any hair anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, no offense to any of our bald listeners. It's just, uh, for some people, great look. Uh, for other people, it's just like, hey, you're not the Steve of my youth. Mm. Uh, so, as you may know, we have set up the Bunta Vista hotline. That's 1-800-317-515, where you can call in and leave a message for us. And uh, you can say things like, hey, uh, you guys are all great looking, wonderful opinions. Uh, and I want to kiss each and every one of you. Hmm. Uh, that's the kind of thing you can... Li- I mean, no one's done it yet, but you could do that if you wanted to. But we have received uh, some some voicemails from our beloved listeners. So if we would like to jump in and, and check some of these out, what do you reckon, guys? You keen? Uh, I'm excited. All right, here we go. Hi, Vinters. Medium firm listener, first time caller here, who won't be leaving my name because I work in government. Um, so... Democracy, right? I'm all for it, though there seems to be this very significant spanner in the works in that it's like it's been designed to ensure that usually the majority of the people who win are simply the people who are best at advocating and talking up themselves, rather than the skills that actually matter to governing in an ethical way that's best for the community. It's kind of like that guy in the workplace whose primary skill set seems to be really being really good at job interviews rather than his actual job. Uh, highly problematic. Um, what do you reckon? Do you agree? And if so, how would you change things to make things better uh, while also avoiding our society falling under the thumb of a malevolent dictator? Thank you. Well, there you go. Uh, thank you, sweet nameless listener. Um, we could what? we could make up a name. Or we I want just more leave. questions to just end with. What do you reckon? What do you reckon? Mm. Uh, so yeah, the question there, of course, being what's what's the deal with politics invariably winding up being uh, mainly people who are good at just selling themselves? Yeah, uh, I, don't know I how think to change that. I think we've seen like, I think we've seen a lot of that in. I want to say the Labour Party specifically recently because I think that like I think that for the for the Liberal Party like when you yeah when you sort of stand for those policies and people vote for them it kind of doesn't matter whether you're a piece of shit or not in some cases like if you're George Christensen it seems to actively help um, if you're someone who gets out and says I'm going to get out there and um, razz all the snowflakes mm. uh, then people who are into that shit will go cool but I think for, for people like the Labour Party, it seems like there's been a lot of folks who are, are just 
straight up pure like career climber type. Very much. I think this is just a problem in general, though. I think the hugest problem with politics is that there's a really limited amount of people who are genuinely in there purely because they want to make a change. I feel like for most people, the realities of the day to day life of politics, you have to have some there's some kind of ego sort of narcissistic aspect to it for most politicians not everyone obviously but you, you don't get anywhere in politics without having that kind of cult of personality kind of thing well i guess it's a bit like the old um the old dunning kruger principle are you familiar with that vaguely it's one of those things people always say on Twitter, like straw man. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, the the Dunning-Kruger thing was uh, some paper by someone named Dunning and someone else named Kruger, um, where they basically observed that in like workplace type scenarios, that um, it's it's the people who... Oh, the people who think that they're less competent or... You know what I'm saying. Well, pe- pe- people who are highly competent don't think of don't themselves think as highly competent because things come to them naturally and so they assume that things sort of come naturally to everyone. Yeah. Um, whereas people who are not that competent a lot of the, th- a lot of the time will consider themselves to be highly right. competent. Overestimate their own abilities. Yeah, and champion themselves as such. Um, I think in some cases that type of thing can lead to some people who, you know, have a lot of good ideas and could make very positive changes kind of going, yeah, but, you know, why, why would anyone care what I think? Like, why, why should I have more of a say or more That's of a true. voice than anybody else? Yeah. Um, whereas I think it can be the incompetent overestimators of themselves out there who go, you know what people need to hear? <laughs> My <laughs> ideas. Yeah. I don't think it's also I the same impulse in that, uh, that much. leads people to make podcasts. That's right. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, as far as like solutions to that, I think one of the, one of the very obvious core issues in Australian politics and probably Western politics in general at the moment um, is just this whole matter of politicians being able to like vote for their own pay rises and um, and if you want to install any kind of mechanism to to deal with like corruption or anything like that, then the people that that mechanism would be targeted at have to vote in favor of it becoming reality. Um, so you know if you're talking about any kind of federal um, you know corruption, watchdog or anything like that then you have to get both of the major political parties to say yes we are both open to creating this thing and funding it and letting it uh, exist independently outside of our ability to tell them what to do Um, and also it needs to be retroactive so that crimes that have done in the past can be exposed and all that sort of stuff Um, I think a lot of the I think a, a lot of the mechanisms for um, a lot of a lot of the mechanisms for changing like what people's incentives are to get into politics are a bit broken. Yeah. At the moment, um, I, you know, I've, uh, I think a lot of people have the kind of similar idea of like a a politician's salary should be like more closely aligned to just a a normal a normal worker's salary. Like oh, but then service. how will yeah. we get the titans of industry in there? Oh, yeah. How will That's we get a- the CEOs not to go private, but to... Uh, we need their big sky thinking and their dexterity and their... Uh, what's the other thing CEOs have? Oh, big dick energy. Big dick uh, energy, yeah. Yep. Um, They're very tall. Yeah, it's a, a very common 
argument that you hear against um, the ideas of just paying people a normal wage instead of like a you know two hundred thousand dollar base salary for yeah. for but people just, who just kind of sit around and never do anything. Yeah, we've moved away too far from like the idea that these people are public servants. They're there to serve us, not the other yeah. way around. And it's definitely not treated that way anymore. It's supposed to be a representative of a local community, you know. Yeah. And yeah, so I think that like. Less money. Oh. That's the simple answer. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is that, like, that the, there are absolutely people out there like Barnaby Joyce and Tony Abbott who say things like, like Ben saying, they, they say, oh, but if you paid people less, if you didn't compensate them so well, then, you know, you wouldn't be able to get the best and brightest, which is what we need in politics, as though Tony Abbott and Barnaby Joyce are the best, the and, best brightest, and brightest. As though since leaving... Uh, since getting voted out of parliament as though Tony Abbott has gone on to like head up an innovative startup or something instead of just sitting around and going oh I want to get voted back in <laughs> um, also like, I mean this helps like if the thing that was going to stop someone from getting into politics is that they'd only be getting paid $200,000 a year maybe good. we don't want them mm. yeah and that's that's just what I think about that and the expenses like every year or two when we have an expenses scandal um, because people have been claiming all sorts of wild shit against their expenses and invariably they say oh whoops there was a mistake someone forgot to carry the one I'll just give you that money back Um, we've spoken about that on the show before like how infuriating it is both to see that someone has stolen $50,000 from their workplace which is funded by taxpayers um, but then when they get caught, they get to say, oh, that was that was just an error on someone's part. It definitely wasn't me. Um, and I'll just give it back because it's doubly infuriating that someone mm. both gets to get caught doing it and just give it back. Just and also, back. also that they have $50,000 on hand to just give back. So, so, yeah, I think a lot of that incentivization, every year or two when we do have an expenses scandal... Um, a lot of reporters will sort of say something, you know, to the tune of, hey, it's kind of a, it's kind of an open secret that a lot of politicians think that they don't get paid highly enough as it is. And they look at expenses as a way of smoothing that out, you know, pays for all of their travel, all their accommodation, all their food, all their everything, all the gifts they get, all that sort of shit. So that not only are they making like at an absolute base level like 200,000. If you're talking about being like a front bench minister, if you're a member of various committees, if you're, um, yeah, if you're in cabinet, if you're a prime minister or a deputy prime minister, this like goes up by wild amounts. Um, but then you also manage to do it in a way where you can be like getting the taxpayer to, to pay you to, to rent a property that you own yourself from yourself, that kind of stuff. Like people can be, paying your rent on one of your investment properties to yourself while you're away from home. So I think if a lot of that sort of stuff was taken out of it, I, th- I think that that would make a big difference to what kinds of people It would definitely said. change what kind of person goes into this kind of thing. Or perhaps yeah. democracy is just not the ideal system. We just haven't got a better one. Yeah. I, I have a very simple solution to this, mm-hmm. actually. Um is that every politician, anytime they are speaking to each other or speaking to the public or even in public in any capacity, 
Uh, they have to be in the beepy wheelchair from Star Trek, the original series, where you can only communicate via beeps. So any potential okay. they have for sort of cult of personality, charisma, or, you know, the ability to win people over just by dating, sorry, debating more effectively, but mm. not necessarily with a better argument. You know what I mean? Gone mm. with the beepy wheelchair. Uh, so you're really just, you're really democratizing the delivery of statements. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, and because it takes a very, very, very long time to communicate uh, with the BP <laughs> wheelchair, you'd really want to prioritize for facts. Succinct in what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to be trying to use demagoguery. You're just going to be like, this is the text of the bill. Um, I'll say one other thing, which I know... I know for a lot of people, it's probably getting into extreme, like, boomer shit territory. But I, I think that there is a, a pretty significant problem in Australia and, again, in other countries as well with, um, with media organizations and access journalism. Um, I think there is a distinct issue with how many uh, political journalists in this country seem to have, like, very cozy relationships with politicians. Not the midwinter ball. Don't the tackle the midwinter, midwinter ball. ball. Um, a beloved institution, the Midwinter mm. Ball. Yeah, and it's it's shit like that and the, you know, the White House Correspondents Dinner and stuff where it's like, yeah, once a year we all get together as good buddies and all have a big laugh about this dumb shit show that we're in. And like, it's all of that where it's like, no, it's meant to be an adversarial relationship. Mm. Um, you guys are meant to be friends. And we might disagree, but we should just be kind to each other. We should just be kind to each other. And like... I feel like a couple of times a year you'll see an interview with like a political figure where the person who's doing the interview just asks them a very, very blunt blank question, point blank question, and they go, oh, uh, wah, wah, uh, wah, uh, and they go, nope, answer it. And like they actually press someone. And it's staggering to see how much of the time under like even the remotest bit of pressure to be honest and directly answer a question that these people just cannot or will not do it. And I would love to see a lot more of that. I suspect the reason that we don't see much of it is because, you know, if you do that and you make a fool out of a couple of politicians, they'll stop asking you questions at the press conferences and they'll stop, you know, like Michaelia Cash, um, they'll just stop extending invitations to particular people to come to their press conferences and that sort of stuff. Um, but again, if there was some sort of solidarity in the journalistic class to say, this is the approach that we're having to this, then it'd be harder to play favorites. But again, that's all kind of uh, very much like a, the horse is bolted sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the same for the pay stuff. It's like, yeah, but that, that shit's never going back down. So, you know, who knows? No one knows what the answer is, especially us. So, <laughs> so why even ask? Thanks, I guess. Hey, you want another question that we're not going to know the answer to? Uh, sure. Yes. All right, here we go. Cue this bad boy up. Hey, guys. Love the show. Um, this isn't going to be very funny. Apologies in advance. It's more of a serious question. Um, I've been having arguments with my girlfriend uh, about the validity of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation uh, in the 21st century. She seems to... Uh, well, her point is that she believes they're the best of a bad bunch and they need to be supported and shouldn't be criticised, uh, I suppose, as heavily. Um, and then my counter-argument is that they are too far gone. Um, I think Ida Buttrose being the chairman or chairwoman, whatever 
whatever you like. Uh, only further sort of seals the deal on them being too far gone and that we need to look elsewhere to alternative media sources uh, like Punta Vista um, as, our, as our way out uh, and crikey and so on and so forth uh, rather than rely on the ABC uh, and just let them just let them privatise it. It's, it's, it's too far gone. Um, there's not much we can do. It's, it's kind of infested from the ground up. So I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. I understand some of you with media jobs uh, owned in this, you know, where one corporation owns pretty much all the media here. It may be hard for you to talk about the real systemic issues directly, and I respect that. But, yeah, as much as you can, would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you very much. Well, there you go. There you go. I love What's thinking that this is the kind of arguments that our listeners have in their relationships. Oh, it's delightful. <laughs> what about the ABC? irredeemable. <laughs> <laughs> so it's smashing a plate against the wall. <laughs> oh, um, so, yeah, is, is the ABC at a point at which it is irredeemable and mm. should be privatized or, uh, or something else? Mm. I'm Definitely extremely... Definitely hearing both sides here. Mm. I'm so deeply pro-ABC. So I think maybe just because I have spent a, a, a large chunk of the last couple of years of my life uh, watching what happens when uh, any sort of reporting is beholden to commercial interest, uh, yep. it is the worst fucking shit in the whole world. And having something like the ABC where they don't have to tiptoe around certain companies, they don't have any of those sorts of concerns, facilitates some fantastic reporting. And it's... Having a government-funded journalistic outlet like that uh, is not necessarily the only way to do it. Like, uh, you know, you can have listener-supported radio and whatever-supported journalism. You you got your Patreons, you got your what-have-you. But getting actual money to do real big stories in a way where you don't have to worry about any of that uh, is priceless. The ABC fucks shit up constantly. But I think they are definitely a net positive good, even now. Uh, Lucy, I think I agree. I mean, in in theory, the ABC and it has been historically very good, but there is certainly setbacks with having something government funded when you have a government like we do now, which is a lot of probably a lot to do with why it's failing and why it's not as independent and as good as it used to be. Um, I don't know. I think we definitely need more independent sources of news when the ABC can't do as much as they used to. You know. Mm. Yeah. Although um, I've I've also heard arguments about like and uh, like from from the uh, right wing of well they're they're too diversified now. You know, there's there's too much. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're in too many areas. They're doing streaming and they're doing kids' channels and all this, that, and the other, which uh, I think is fine as long as you're able to maintain whatever level of quality in those things. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, I, I definitely feel uh, more, more like you're saying, Ben, where if I sort of think back to over the last... I mean, like you said, they fuck up. They've done a bunch of stupid shit. Like giving Steve Bannon a platform, that kind of stuff. Yeah, they did too. Some real stinkers and you can see exactly the same kind of, I think you can see exactly the same kind of like problems that that are throughout private and public media 
in the responses to that where people have said, hey, uh, what the fuck are you doing? This is really bad. Why is why does Tom Tilly have Blair Cottrell on his fucking show? Um, and when a whole lot of people say, ooh, we think this is a really bad move, um, the response is to be extremely dismissive and very like, oh, well, I'm, I'm the supreme journalist and I would know. Like, I mean, Sarah Henderson has... has posted a lot of things on Twitter since then that I think have been very, very, like, deliberately dismissive and antagonistic of their own audience in the wake of that. Like, very kind of, see, you can have a white nationalist on and still be a real reporter and be friends with everyone. Um, That is is kind of a a deeper and separate issue. But when I do think back to stories, uh, stories in the Australian media that have produced some kind of like really significant public policy response to something they've all been out of the abc i'm sure someone will write in and say wrong you fucking idiot (laughs) but but like just think about things like the um like the the greyhound racing story Mm. that was that was from like what four corners or um sure sure, let's say four corners or 730 report or something um, but like Ben saying, they don't have any obligation to say, you know, for example, oh, our parent company is is our parent company also owns like TAB, uh, which makes phenomenal amounts of money through gambling and gambling advertising and stuff like that. So we're not allowed to touch a story like this. Mm. Um, they were able to just say, hey, here's all this completely fucked up evidence of this thing that's constantly going on everywhere. And, like, that that seemed to change public's sentiment about that issue, like, overnight. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It was Four Corners, I'm pretty sure. It was, like, one story. Well, I mean, they, they did some follow-ups, but that one episode they did, immediately the conversation changed. Yeah, to just, oh, well, I think we just shouldn't be doing this at all. Um, and And I think in the cases of those sorts of things, you can see how powerful, like, independent... And like like um, editorially independent journalism can be, mm. and so I don't I don't think the solution would be to privatize the ABC. I think like the only no. thing that would happen out of privatizing the ABC would be to have another private media corporation and have one less um, independent editorially or financially um, outlet in Australia, which in turn I think would immediately turn it into what we're seeing happening with like the free to air channels, which is Mm. they go, Oh shit, we have to survive on money that we earn ourselves from advertising revenue. And so they start spending less and less money on the quality of the content they're making. And they start commissioning, you know, more and more like reality shows and showing stuff from overseas. Literally like that's, that's the only way to make money. Reality TV is the only thing in the world that makes money for any media outlet. That's all you can do. And it's because, like, I assume, because it's the cheapest shit in the world to produce. Yeah. Uh, You don't have to script it. You don't have to pay the people who are on it much money. You can probably do it with a pretty small crew. You'd get sponsorships from everything that they do on the show. Yep, yep. Any any of those, like, home renovation shows and stuff. Like, they're all just one big sponsorship, all that sort of shit. So, you know, if that's, if, like, you... I don't think it would be any kind of net benefit to the country to see the ABC turn into that. 
and that's what Definitely would happen. Not. It is a net good. It's not it's ideal, especially with Ida Butteros and, you know, the, no. the various things that they've done that are not super independent and somewhat, uh, you know, placing right-wing views, dangerous right-wing views on the ABC, but they are the best that we've got. And I, I think that it is, like, a, a challenge as well. I, I think the other thing that you have to consider in order to be a bit fair to the ABC is that we're you know, however many years now, um, deep into conservative government in this country. And they have a they have a severe cultural vendetta against the ABC. They do, which is why I assume the ABC is bowed to a lot of their pressure in Well yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think it's probably very hard to say from an outside perspective what kind of impact that sort of stuff must have culturally. Um, because I think that while, to me, the solution is to have the sort of person who is the chairman of the ABC um, to be the sort of person who really, really believes in the actual sort of mission of the ABC, which is to be fiercely editorially independent. Mm. And um, you don't have you know, to show both sides because literally every other channel on free-to-air TV shows the right-wing side. It's yep. okay. Um and and yeah, it's still it's still a very trusted news source, and I think the the actual solution is to have have staff who are um, you know really dedicated to the idea of it being an editorial independent news service. But the problem is that the government of the day still gets to appoint um, you know the the chairman yeah. and probably some of the board members and all that sort of stuff, which means that the longer a conservative government goes on, the more able they will be to influence and degrade the culture of the ABC. Um, so the solution, like so many other things, is to put Scott Morrison into a cannon and fire him into the sun. That is the ideal solution. Yeah. But oh, also, also just, just look at other independent news sources as well as the ABC. Uh, the ABC, it's, well, it's not financially viable to do regional journalism anyway. Um, if you're doing it purely on a profit based venture it won't happen which is why news corp and uh the papers formerly known as fairfax uh wound down all their regional stuff all the regional newsrooms are shrinking everywhere basically all they have left is the abc because they're the only ones that can afford to do it uh i don't know ben have you heard of a little outlet called the batuta advocate well it was lovely being on the podcast with you <laughs> had, a, had a really good time <laughs> had a great run <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, and you do raise an excellent point, which is that w- you know when any uh, when any when the ABC is forced to like close uh, down rural outlets, I think they had something a little while ago where they were like going to stop broadcasting to a lot of um, places in the Asia Pacific region, mm. and yeah, Terrible. it's um, yeah, and and you hear the same thing from uh, like a lot of rural people which is like this is this is the only thing that actually gives us any kind of coverage of our local area um because so many other commercial newsrooms are just getting more and more and more fragmented and everything's getting more and more kind of um you know centrally edited um taking more and more sub editors out there's more and more pressure on journalists to just take news releases from companies and copy and paste them into the newspaper, uh, all that kind of thing. So, unfortunately, I must come down on the defend the ABC side. We must stand. We must. We are 
forced stand. to stand. We have no choice but to stand. Yeah. And, you know, with, again, the caveat that, like Ben said, they fuck up, you know, they fuck up plenty of times. Um, but I think that there is uh, really a range of... I think there's a range of content and a range of representation um, that is is just nowhere else in the country. Um, so, you know, bloody, bloody good on them. That's what I say. Good for them. Best good. of a terrible bunch. Good for the ABC. Hey, well done, Mr. ABC. Mr. ABC. Should I, should I very quickly, should I very quickly read us a, uh, a letter in the old paging Dr. Lucy uh, hole? <laughs> Only hole. if you promise to play the theme. Okay. Right, folks. They love to hear it. They love to hear it. It's time for another edition of Paging Dr. Lucy, in which we check out uh, the worst, the worst calls for advice on the worst website on the internet, Reddit. Actually, which one's worse, Reddit or YouTube? That's a that's a big question. Uh, mm. I mean, both of them have radicalized a lot of uh, people. They sure have. I feel, I feel like with both of them, you could spend more time, like, you could spend uh, time just in, like, subreddits or looking at types of video on YouTube that were just fine and normal and just live your life, but, mm. um... Nothing's normal on Reddit. It's true. Case in point. Here we go. Mm. Uh, my wife's internet posting got me fired. Hi, relationships. I'm honestly at a loss of what to even think about this situation, so I could use some advice. Sorry for the throwaway, but as you read the story, it will be fairly clear why I'd rather not have my real account attached to this. My 32-year-old... Well, my 32-year-old. He is a 32-year-old male. 28-year-old wife of three years has been living some sort of online double life that came crashing down today, and I don't think I can ever look at her the same way again. (laughs) It's going to take a bit of background, so buckle up. I was called into my... (laughs) Click... I was called into my boss's office yesterday and presented with a printout of my Reddit post history with a ton of posts highlighted. Oh, God, imagine. Oh, boy. Imagine you, you got sinking, as someone said. It's horrifying thought. We have your posts. We have a printout of your posts. Oh, my God. I hate it. Don't even want to think uh, about it. Uh, nothing problematic, but a lot of them were made on company time, so I was let go from my position immediately. Damn. It's pretty harsh. That's pretty rough. Uh, I have only ever posted it on my phone using data, never the company Wi-Fi, so I was stunned how they would even know what my account was or what I was doing. I was too shocked to even ask further questions. I just packed up my stuff and got out of there. I got home from work and immediately told my wife what had happened, and she looked like she was caught in the middle of committing murder. I asked her what was wrong and tried to assure her we'd be okay, that my savings could carry us through until I find more work. She's a stay-at-home mother with our two-year-old daughter, so I assumed she was frightened for our future. I was honestly expecting her to yell at me a bit for getting fired over something so stupid, but she pretty much stayed silent. She was still acting weird as we were getting ready for bed, so I asked her what was wrong again. She said it was her fault and immediately breaks down sobbing. I had no idea what she was talking about. After trying to calm her down, she tells me that it's her fault that my post history was sent to my boss. 
She tells me it's from a, quote, internet fight on Reddit that she's been involved with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what this means, so I make her sit down and explain all of this. This is where things get weird, and I'm still not even sure about all of it. About two years ago, my wife started participating in some subreddit about a blog she liked. As time went on, she got more and more involved. She also began posting antagonistically toward other frequent users. <laughs> Eventually, she was banned a few months ago. What sort of person you got to be to get banned from a subreddit? From a subreddit about a blog. About a blog. She then joined a Discord server about that same blog and began trying to get revenge on the users she had arguments with in the past on the subreddit. Oh my goodness. She created multiple burner accounts to spam the subreddit and to report other users to try and get them banned. I don't know how all of this worked. I just use Reddit for a few sports subs, so I'm not too familiar with all of this. People on the subreddit started making fun of her for all of her trolling attempts, so she started doxing them. What the fuck? <laughs> Your wife has some problems. Take the child or children. Get the fuck get out of the there. Car, just leave. Just Ooh. drive. We're, seen... we're visiting my mother. I don't know when we'll be back. Oh. <laughs> uh. I've seen the posts and messages, uh, full-on doxing, names, personal info, messages that she'll send to their family or work. Oh, my God. Long story short, she was doxed in retaliation, which somehow ended up with me doxed and the situation I'm in today. She's always been a normal girl. She's the love of my life and the mother of my child, but she's an insane person on the internet. Looking at some of this shit and hearing her talk about it like it's completely normal, it's like I've never even met this person before. <laughs> Please just help me figure out what I should be doing moving forward. I already printed out a lot of the posts and I'm with my daughter at my parents' house for the night. Oh, <laughs> yes, there we go. Stay there. All right. Just get Good out call. of there. Damn. So I'm um, finding out that your wife is some kind of ultra poster. This is one of those things where it's like, oh, she's really normal and I'm. she's never like this. I don't, I don't believe you. No, that's definitely not true. Uh, you've just forgiven her for whatever horrible thing she's doing to you in person. Mm. Yep. For sure. You don't, you don't just be this kind of person on the internet and have it not bleed into your real life in any way. <laughs> if you're this kind of a person. There's got to be warning signs, right? This is like the mask slipping. Like, this is who the person really is. It's definitely not the normal person they're pretending to be the rest of the time. Mm. Yeah, but wouldn't that also make you think, like, what sort of person are you really? I had, um, I had a falling out with someone like maybe a year or two ago and this is only notable to me because uh this pretty much never never happens um my my friendships tend to be um pretty pretty relaxed and then at some point one of us moves to another city and then we don't see each other very much anymore you know that's that's kind of it um and so it was very unusual to me to have a, like a proper falling out with somebody and it, it turned, like, it, in the course of, of this falling out, they had basically said to, like, me and my wife, duh, and you're a pair of, like, big leftist, communist, <laughs> SJWs, and all this kind of thing. Um, and it's all bullshit, and blah, blah, blah. And the thing that was so stunning to me about this was, like... I've lived with this person. I've spent so much time with them, all this kind of thing. And it just, the entire time, it just had me going, did you just think this the whole time? Did you yes. spend like several, several years of friendship uh, smiling happily and having nice conversations with me the whole time thinking, 
this fucking guy. <laughs> this fucking guy. Can't wait to dox him on Reddit. Uh, hmm. Big time psycho energy, you know? So what do you, what do, you do with this? What do you do with this? Do you ban your wife uh, from the online? I think you need to really talk about this one and perhaps get your wife some therapy. I also need to know what this Reddit she was on was about. I gotta know. It Why is it a subreddit a for a blog? Are we talking about, like, you know, slow cooker recipes or are we talking about something serious? Is it, yeah, true, cli- true crime blog? Uh, Harry Potter fanfic? What do we got, you know? It sounds like it's something innocuous and she's just the kind of person that gets in fights about it. Oh. It's very worrying. You're also, Fight. she's 28. She's not like a, she's not like a young person. She's not like 20 years old, you know? This is insane no, behavior. She's got a kid. Stay at home mother. Maybe that's the problem. Got nothing mm. to do. Nothing to do. That's Unlike right. Me, Parenting isn't a real job. <laughs> <laughs> I would never get into a fight on the internet. Me, no. the 28 uh, year old wife. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> never happened, never will. Never happened, never will happen again on Twitter.com. <laughs> I, think there's, I think there's a certain point for n- normal people. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Um, but I think there's a certain point where like in, in, dif- uh, like in different online communities that I've been on a bit more than others at different points in my life, you know, I've, I've had my little stretch of like a year or two on Reddit posting a lot. Um, and then at some point being like, this sucks because <laughs> all everybody wants to do is like debate each other about things, except that it's also always completely disingenuous. It's always, you know, nobody's actually looking to have their mind changed. No. People, people are looking to win fights, you know? Um, and, I, and I feel like any normal person, they do that for a while and then they go, you know what? This doesn't really feel great as a way to spend my time. I'm probably just going to either be a bit more chilled out about this and use it normally or stop. Hmm. Um, and apparently that is not the case for some people. Some people, and like we've all known these people online, people who just seem to spend uh, 1,000% of their time just actively agitating for a fight with any stranger they can find online all day. And I'm just like, it's got to it's gotta hurt your heart, you know? It's got to... It does. It's definitely not good for you. Got to give you a little. It's not little, healthy for you. It's got to put a little stinky brown skid mark on your soul. That's you know? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't do it, folks. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Log no. off as much as possible, as often as possible. Uh, log off like log yourself w- off. Like we are going to do nowish. Uh, oh yeah. So yeah. So as always, folks, if uh, if you'd like to call in and leave a message or leave a question for us, you can eight, call eight, 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 Ben, ben keeps leaving the voicemail number for a different podcast. Hmm. Uh, 1-800-317-515, the old Bunda Vista hotline. Uh, you can get an extra episode of the show every week and support us by going over to patreon.com forward slash Bunta Vista. It's five dollary dues. Five dollary dues. You know, slap them down on the counter and you say, mate. Not really. Give me so my fucking bonus episode. Approximately seven dollary dues because it is in US dollars. That's we should true. make that clear. If you're an American Conver- listener, conversion rate. five uh, bucks cash five only. Dimes. Oh, five, five green five greenbacks. How about that? Five ben- Benjamin? No, it's definitely oh, not a Benjamin. No, not five Benjamin. five Lincolns. Is it Lincolns? <laughs> God. <laughs> Wasn't Washington on the one dollar? I don't know. Five Washingtons? Sure. You know? Don't you? I, 
Are you not using currency over there or something? I use the currency. Who knows who these old men are on the on the bills? You're on a barter system, I can tell. I could see a picture of a US president and it could be anyone. It could, could. be anyone. <laughs> it's some friggin' old guy in a dumb <laughs> wig. Oh, dear. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Yes, hello, Bunta Vista. This, this is Arthur Butterow, this is chair of the ABC, the, the voice of the Australian people. And, and I must say, your, your general rhetoric on the subject of Australia's beloved larrikins is not appreciated. We, we should all feel able to josh and harass each other in our various workplaces, be it oh, a Venice City architectural firm or a nationally syndicated broadsheet column, because the you 80s know, were mine and, and therefore our greatest decade. And true larrikins like myself must receive immediate validation, because of course, we will otherwise shrivel uh, uh, and die like a jacaranda in the twilight hours of spring. So I'd advise you again, your rhetoric is not appreciated and you should smother your long-term structurally reinforced alienation for my immediate emotional well-being. Thank you very much. Ta-ta.